Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Gather family. I am uh, grateful and deeply honored to be able to share with you today and to be able to open the scriptures with you today and wrap up this conversation on the Holy Spirit. And depending on your background, there may be all sorts of ideas and connotations that come to mind when you hear somebody talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe that phrase brings to mind like a raucous prayer meeting or a worship service that you've experienced. Maybe you think of people laying hands on one another. Perhaps you remember a specific incredible experience that you had on a, on a trip, on a mission trip, or on a youth trip, or maybe you think about that one time you went in that one church and uh, everybody was speaking in tongues. Uh, I, whatever it is for you, there's probably some idea that comes to mind when you hear being filled with the Spirit. Often, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is associated with, with power. And that makes sense, considering Jesus' own words in Acts 1 Eight, when he says this to his disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And he goes on, he says, you know, to the ends of the earth. But there's all sorts of other passages in the New Testament as well. Romans 8 is kind of a big one that talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul, even there, talks about the power of the Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power is in you and in me. So there is something, in fact, about the presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life that equates to power. Now, depending on the tradition and depending on the theology of any given community, this power is treated sometimes as an indicator of status within that community. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you have a higher place of authority or you have some greater anointing. Or you, you know, there are those who have been filled and those who have not been filled with the Spirit. Or in some churches, there are levels and, and degrees of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people have more of the Holy Spirit than others. And that makes them stand above the rest. So the theological kind of idea that this is based on is, is this person is filled with the Holy Spirit so that they have more authority more influence, more notoriety, more power. But this creates a, a, an otherness, almost a second-class citizenry within the church. A group of people who are striving to get more power so that maybe they too can be among the elite, be among the powerful. And this also leads to some, leads some to pursue even greater levels of power, not just within the church community, but within society, politics, economics, social structures. At my house these days, my kids are really into Godzilla films, which I know is, is interesting. Uh, and you are probably not into Godzilla films. Um, I watch them because my kids are enjoying them. But what's interesting about these films is that there is always this like battle between these two very powerful beings that are jockeying for position on the throne of like the monster kingdom, right? And unfortunately, all the humans running around are just being devastated, destroyed, and killed in the process of these two monsters fighting over one another. 
fighting with one another. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but, at, but one of the things that has struck me in the past weeks watching these films, because there are a lot of them, is I keep thinking to myself, okay, so here's another film with Godzilla in it, um, and there is this, like, you know, other monster that he's got to fight, and this other monster seems to be more powerful. Like, Godzilla is up against it. He's not going to win the fight. He's not going to win the battle. How in the world? And they fight a couple times, and Godzilla loses. And, and in one case, you know, he, he, th th we think he's dead. Um, in one movie we watched, like, the humans drop a nuclear bomb on Godzilla to rejuvenate his power, and he comes up out of the water, and he's not just Godzilla anymore. He's lava Godzilla. And so suddenly, anywhere he goes, uh, everything blows up and turns to fire. And ultimately, he has more power than the other monster who had more power before him. So it's this constant fight to see who's got more power and who's going to win. And it just creates bigger, more dangerous, more destructive monsters. And that's kind of how it is sometimes. And unfortunately, it's kind of like that in the church. There are whole movements and whole denominations within Christianity that have established very real hierarchies of power based on this concept of who is filled with the Spirit and who is not. But there is a problem with this idea, and it's Pentecost. For the past two weeks, Josh and Andres have kind of walked us through this idea of Pentecost and the, and the power of the Spirit. And uh, I, I don't want to kind of rehash that whole story, but I do want to remind us of Acts 2, verse 17. The Apostle Peter, processing what Pentecost is, quotes the Old Testament prophet Joel. God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All people. No matter gender, age, class, ethnicity, orientation, race, nationality, culture, socioeconomic status, all people are filled with the Holy Spirit. A promise that comes from the Old Testament is recited again in the New Testament. All people are made in God's image. All people are breathing in the life of God's own breath. All people are filled with God. And God is love. So that means that the power of the Spirit is the inclusive, unifying power of divine love. Being filled with the Spirit is to be filled with love. The true power of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the inclusive power of divine love, not to elevate our status above others, not to jockey for position, to see who's the stronger monster among us, but to do the opposite, to serve those who don't have power, who don't have status, who are at the bottom of that hierarchy that we've created for ourselves. No one is filled with the Spirit to lord that power over another so that we can rank each other and look down on those who are less than. It's the opposite. It's the exact opposite. We are filled with the Spirit so that we are empowered to love our neighbors as ourselves. Maybe even sometimes greater than ourselves. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul offers his famous fruit of the Spirit. But before we get to that list of attributes, I think it's important to recognize a little bit of the context there in Galatians 5. Verses 13 through 16, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. Which, stop there. Um, 
You see, the power of the Holy Spirit is also the power to liberate the oppressed. But that's, a, that's another sermon. But don't use your freedom, back to the passage here, do not use your freedom to indulge in selfish sin, earthly power. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you devour each other, watch out or you will destroy each other. So I say, walk by the Holy Spirit. You see, the whole mission of the Holy Spirit is to liberate people and empower them unto loving one another, unto serving one another. And what that looks like practically is that famous passage, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, when I read that list, my first thought is, okay, wow, that is going to be hard. That's not going to be easy. That list is not simple. In fact, that list is going to result in some personal sacrifice. Being filled with the Spirit is gonna, it's gonna cost me something. Loving my neighbor is going to require of me that I lay down some of my privilege, sacrifice some of my comfort, give of myself, give of my resources. But that's okay, I think, because that's the exact example of Jesus, who according to Philippians 2, did not consider his power and his privilege as something to be used for his own advantage, but rather he took on the form of a servant. The ultimate act of love, service, and power the world has ever seen is the man Jesus, full of the Spirit, full of love, fully embracing his weakness, and then dying naked on a cross, ultimately vulnerable, unjustly executed by the powers who devour and oppress. You see, by Christ's own example, we see that loving others appears to be an act of great weakness, but in truth, it is an act of great strength. Maybe the greatest act of strength. Being filled with the Spirit is being filled with love for our neighbor, and Jesus is the ultimate example of a power perfected in weakness as he lays down his ultimate privilege to serve those who have none. Jesus experienced the greatest weakness, death, and did so through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, he embraced weakness to serve and care for the weakest. Being filled with the love of God creates within us an ability to see other people, to empathize with, to recognize the people around us. That's what the Spirit does in us. The power of the Holy Spirit removes the blinders of privilege so that we, like Jesus, are filled with the power to care for those who are the most vulnerable, at risk, marginalized, impoverished, powerless, exploited. And the best part, I think the best part of this whole idea, this whole message, is when the Holy Spirit unifies a group of people 
a community, might even say a church, to use its collective power and advocate for those within society that are being devoured. That's who we are, Gather. That's who we are. We are that community with that collective power to advocate for others. That's what the Spirit is doing here among us. We are being filled with the Holy Spirit to create a safe place of healing and hope for those who have been devoured, betrayed, exploited, and abandoned. Pentecost, as Josh helped us see in week one, is a celebration of the birth of the church, which is great. That's great. But the witness of the church is powerful only insofar as it is willing to lay aside status and privilege to serve those that have less power, less privilege. Brazilian theologian Jose Comblin puts it this way, and I quote, Christ himself sprang from poverty, from the midst of poor people. So the Christ of our mission will not be some human discourse about Christ, but a living, real presence of Jesus, made poor, made powerless in such a way that he can reach the hearts of those suffering everywhere. So I ask you today, Gather, what ideas come to mind when you think about being filled with the Spirit? How do you apply the power of the Spirit in your own life? Have you experienced an abuse of that power? Have you been the one who has done the abuse, that has used that power inappropriately? As you consider the work of the Spirit in your life, what does it mean for you to be filled? And what are you filled with? And what would it look like for you to have the blinders of privilege removed and to bring yourself into a community, a critical mass of divine love? What does the loving your neighbor mean for you? What would that look like tomorrow, this week? As we all embrace a love of neighbor, our awareness of neighbor increases and increases and increases and never stops. That's what being filled with the Spirit does. A Spirit-filled love leads us to care for, to serve, and to protect all people. And that's powerful. Leslie Newbegin states that the mark of the person in Christ will be that they are more eager to claim freedom for their brothers and sisters than for themselves, and more ready to submit themselves to good order than to impose it upon others they do not know. So gather, gather family, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the inclusive, unifying power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org 
or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.